and and you know it is really a, a humbling experience and and solidarity is in there too you know we are all out in out there together and it's not it can be a really dangerous sport and so to give love and affection to those people around you have a good chat around you is such a better way to race than you know trying to race somebody so i guess that all in a nutshell and being content within yourself i think is huge to doing well in ultra running and, and most people do find that through ultra running after you know a few years of it it, it means that i don't know it's because i am a female more females as a race director are wanting to go hey you know i want to jump on that race because Shona supports women. I don't I don't know. Or Shona will back me or or Shona can do it, I can do it too. I don't know if it's like a culture like that is created. I, I don't know. But we're, what we're seeing is that more women are wanting to enter, which is great. Like let's face it, if you want to grow any business, and this is like what I would, would say, you, you look after the women. Welcome to the RMA podcast. Hi, I'm your host, Nicole Bunyan, founder of Running Mums Australia. Each episode, I will be speaking to everyday women who have an inspiring story to tell. We will cover the highs and lows of their own journey, the impact motherhood has had on their life, and how running has inspired them to live wilder, dream bigger, and change the world around them. Thank you for joining us on this new adventure that will hopefully leave an imprint for you to live out your own life inspired to conquer goals you never thought possible. Hello, welcome back to another episode of the RMA podcast. I'm glad you're here today. Today, I thought I would talk about trail and ultra running, and I was looking for someone who I could discuss this topic with, especially in regards to females in our sport. And I've been following along one of our RMAs, Shona Stevenson from Queensland's Journey for quite a long time, and I thought she would be the perfect person to interview. Shona has been one of Australia's top trail and ultra elite athletes having ranked in the top 10 on the ultra trail world tour with over 10 years experience in health and fitness as both an athlete coach nutritionist and a personal trainer shona is a perfect person to speak to today shona began her journey running after having children when she entered her first city to surf pushing a pram along its tough course she didn't love that experience and it was then that she took on the quest to find a better surface and a greater experience which led her to the trails which she instantly fell in love with and continues to love to this day. Her passion for trail running coupled with her talent led her on an amazing journey and racing career until her health and personal life caused her to shift her focus to coaching, mentoring and the world of race directing. Shona has co-founded in the last few years the Brisbane Trail Ultra. She was wanting to bring a world-class event to Australia like she'd seen in Europe and has now also added the Port Douglas to Cairns Trail Ultra to her portfolio. This episode brings us into the mind and life of an elite trail and ultra running athlete, what drives them and motivates them 
And with Shona, we discuss how women in trail running is an ever-growing and evolving and exciting space to be part of. Shona isn't shy when it comes to her passion to support women in this sport, and it's definitely a positive step having race directors like Shona front and center. I'm so excited to bring this episode to you. May I introduce you to Shona Stevenson. Before we begin, a message from this week's sponsor, Physiocram Massage Gel. Physiocram has been helping Running Mums Australia to achieve their running goals for years now and ease those post-training muscular aches and pains. Hurting sucks and Physiocram has our back. To get your own Physiocram, head to www.physiocram.com.au. Don't forget, if you're a member of the member program, you can get 20% off with your member code. You can also find Physiocram at your local pharmacy. Firstly, I want to say welcome. I wanted to um, chat to you today because, you know, we've, we've conversed a lot over the years and um, I guess I've watched your journey change over time and I find it really exciting and I thought you'd be a really good person to speak to in regards to women in trail running um, mm-hmm. and also in regards to how you're trying to grow that sport and I guess, change a little bit of a career direction yourself in terms of becoming a race director and, and creating and, and fostering your own races, which I find really inspiring um, for a female to be doing, especially as we know, there's not many of them in Australia. So I yeah, really wanted to talk to you about those things. But before we even get into that stuff, I'd like to hear a little bit, or you can tell the listeners who might not be uh, aware of your journey and your story a little bit about yourself, who you are, where you come from, and you know maybe where running entered your life. Cool. Um, so I'm Shona Stevenson. Um, it's I guess I ex elite athlete. Um, I guess I was highest ranked was eighth in the world on the ultra trail world tour. Um, in 2014 after a few like really cracking years of um, like good results but maybe just not hitting the results at the right time in the right tour do you get what I mean so I was a bit oblivious to like where to get the points and and when and which races to go for or not to go for Um, I was obviously I'm on running on Australia so that means I'm a mum so my kids are now um, 16 14 and then i have a stepson who's um turning about to turn 11. um so i started running basically like most of us um oh look as a kid i've always ran but you know it's so interesting i think there's a lot of pressure put on kids to possibly make it through regionals and zones and so on yes i would have been one of the good athletes at the school um, yes, I would have made it through the regionals, but that's as far as I ever got. I never made it any further than that. So you don't have to be a national or state champion or zone champion to then have a career later in life. It's, so just think of all your kids is what I'm saying. It, it, it's, it doesn't matter. As long as they're doing it, that's, that's, that's all. I'm guessing I, I like to put that point across. Yeah. Um, as long as they can find it later in life. And that can be after they have babies like I did. So I'm probably just like any one of the mums who, who are just starting. All I wanted to do was run a fun run before I turned 30. And so I ran the city to surf like most. So I'm originally from Sydney, even though I'm up in Queensland now. 
didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, I'm Sydney girl. Um, so yeah. grew up in Taramara. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm a big Sydney girl. Um, and then in a Westie. Okay, so I, I get excited about talking about Sydney. Um, yeah, so I guess that I um, just want to run the city of surf like most mums ever do. I push the pram, you know, 14 kilometres. I had to breastfeed my child, seven-month-old baby. It was my second child by then, twice on the side of the road. It was just like just hell on earth. <laughs> it, it really was. And um, so that was in August. And then it probably took me until like, just like any one of us, we would have got one of those promo emails from, it was then the Sydney Morning Herald Half Marathon. And at the same point in time, one of our friends had moved up to Brisbane to um, basically to go through chemotherapy again as an adult. And so I decided to shave all my hair off, which is hilarious thinking of that now, um, to raise money for the Leukemia Foundation. So I shaved all my hair off to a number one. And then at the same time, I went, oh, my God, I'm going to have no hair. I'm going to have to feel really good about it. So it's all superficial reasons, really. I got into running. But um, so I just I knew I had to feel really good about myself and be happy within my skin while I had no hair. Because let's face it, you can hide a fair bit behind good hair. Yeah. And... Um, so I then decided to run the half marathon, um, Sydney half marathon, which is, again, so hilarious because I kind of, maybe because I came from track, I came from sprinting, I only knew how to run, run one way, like I was cross country, but we didn't really do cross country in, you know, high school. They didn't offer it. I went to Monte San Angelo. They didn't even offer it there as a choice, which is hilarious now. Just, you'd think that they'd offer a cross country. Yeah. So anyway... I ran the city, no, Sydney Half Marathon and I remember there was two hills at the end of it and um, I had to walk up the hills. I still got in a one hour 46, but the, it was so funny. The first lap I went around, it was back then's two laps. I don't know if it's still that now. And um, I was coming, the first lap I was like, yeah, 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 I'm going to do a marathon at the end of the year. Then the next lap was, I got to 15K and I went, there's no way I'm doing a marathon at the end of this year. I've <laughs> <laughs> been there. <laughs> like no way I'm gonna take it at least two years to do this thing I was like oh my god this is so hard I just ripped myself to pieces and my knees were shot like absolutely shot by the end I had to like I was on ice for three days like most people <laughs> after the first half marathon and then I went oh what what would make me be stronger and of course what would make me be stronger I went oh trail running why don't I do that that looks like I'd have to become stronger to get up things and to dodge and weave and and you know just be like stronger in my legs and, and not just one repetitive um, strain exercise that you know that I was doing and so then three weeks later I did the Great Nosh which is another Sydney event um, you start in Lingfield and you end up at Seaforth and you go through the bush um, along Mill, Middle Harbour and again I ran it one way that I know how to run it and I sprinted out for the first five kilometers and um, I got to to get up on top of the Roseville Bridge and back in the olden days so this is 2008 we didn't have like credit cards attached to our telephones back then right there was no like you, your telephone was a brick and so I tried so I was watching all these taxis go past and I was trying to figure out a way to call a taxi and then try and get my car but my dad was picking up me up at the other end so there was no way out. I had to make it to the other side. And so <laughs> but I went out. I, I even gave up four, 400 metres from the end. And there was even this rock, which I look at now, and there was, everyone was clambering up this rock. And I went, oh, my God, I have to get up this rock face. People would know it if they knew the Great Knot. And I turned to the bloke next to me and I said, oh, can you help me up? <laughs> 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 I 
find a way you should you should be here woman and then uh, and then, I'll, then when i find it i climbed up this thing and 400 meters from the end i remember there was these two south africans who who, who saw me on the start line and they were both went he's tough isn't it <laughs> i was walking and they were running and little did i know i was only 400 meters from the end and then but the really cool story is my dad was there waiting for me people were coming out you know covered in mud and blood and you know all the rest of it and he said to me are you ever going to do that race again i said no way dad that's way too hard so the um a year later i didn't do it because it was so damaging on my body it was it was tough it was so hard on my body then the year after that i came second and the year after that i won it so it, it just shows doesn't it that if yeah. you just chip away chip away you can get there so that's i guess the start of how I got into running. There you go. It's not too bad. <laughs> I'm going to digest all this now. That was so funny. I love that. I love that you had no idea. And that's, oh, like, that's what's so good about it. Like yeah. you know, when you think about all the people that I interview from, you know, your everyday runner to your Olympian, everybody started somewhere, right? Oh, everybody really? had no idea when they started. It doesn't matter where they were in the journey when they started. But I love that you got into it when you were a little bit older as well. Yeah. And you had children. I mean, I think there's also, there's so many things to unpack there, but there's two things that resonated with me. <laughs> One was that you sort of, I guess, found the trails by accident Absolutely, um, and didn't love it the first time yet obviously grew to love it and we'll yeah. talk about that but the other one was that you had a talent you had a talent and you had speed and you might not have known how to harness that at the beginning so what things did you learn about yourself as you went on in terms of obviously that speed definitely helped you and served you in yeah. your running career but what did you learn about how to use how to use that speed um, to actually benefit you in your performance? Yeah, it was it was an interesting one. Like I guess um, what I probably didn't say there too. Like I was um an elite gymnast as a kid, so that's kind of comes in very handy when when you're a trail runner. So, and the other thing was I was a rep netball um, player. So they'd shove me on the court as a centre player and I was basically there the whole day I just had as a kid this crazy amount of endurance and be it coming from gymnastics and the long hours of training with gymnastics and then I translated that through to netball and then so on and so on but there's a huge gap in between where I didn't do much mm -hmm. um so what I did was I guess I followed the half marathon programs back when you know like polar was a thing yeah, <laughs> and there's yeah. no training peaks so I just followed a half marathon program. So I knew I needed to keep the speed. And then I then wrote on top of it, the marathon program for the long runs on the weekend. So it wasn't like I was doing all these crazy kilometers, but I kept my speed there. Yeah. And so, and then the other thing that really helped me a lot was I jumped on to, and, and I say this to like all my, like, coaching clients is that i got onto in 2010 i jumped onto a um like an oxfam team and you know you don't have to be in an amazing oxfam team but it's the time on your legs yeah that you really need as you're going longer and i had a great physiotherapist tim i can't even remember his last name um he's in sydney strider do really tall guy and he always said to me shina like when you're going longer for someone like you it's just time on your legs time on your legs go out and just like have a picnic as you run almost yeah. and so and so 
I've been, um, I was with Wild Women on Top and I just jumped on one of those teams and, you know, we were doing, um, then we did about 17 or 18 hours for my first 100 and that was 2010 and then 2011, you know, everyone was telling me, oh, you should only be going for 15 hours for UTA and, you know, that's that's where you should be because that's a nice, safe, safe time to go for and, and then within myself, I just knew, I said, no, 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 no. I wasn't with a 12 in front of it. Yeah. <laughs> so I went for 12. I just, it wasn't even like, you know, I was, I even knew I was going to end up with that, that time, but that's what I was going for mm-hmm. because that's what my training suggested that I could do. And so I, I ended up getting 12 hours 50. The year before I would have won it. But what made it so special was that that particular year, um, and Julie Quinn ended up winning that year. She's an amazing like world champion um, orienteering athlete. So I'm very humbled to be out of race and be even like within an hour to her. She's a great athlete. But um, the Salomon team turned up that year because Mount Fuji was cancelled. Um, Ultra Trail Mount Fuji was cancelled due to bad weather. So the whole Salomon team were there. So I ended up coming sixth in amongst this group of elite athletes. And to me, that was like, oh my God, this is amazing. If I'm like an hour away from them, that does mean I can do it. And, you know, here I am still being able to compete on a world stage when I don't know if anybody knows Keith Hong. Um, he was at the last checkpoint with 20 Ks to go. And um, I didn't even know I was still racing. He was literally putting, helping me put my thermal top on. And, he, and then I was about to stand there, chat to him for the while, goes, come on, go, you've only got nine days to go. I was like, oh my God, I'm still racing. It was just hilarious. Um, <laughs> But I was, you know, nutrition, everything was all, you know, wrong and I had to change it all. But I guess that, like, when we come back to it, it was just about, yes, keep the speed, keep your intervals, keep your stairs, keep your, um, keep your hill training. And then, you know, I always say there's three maybe sessions in a week or four sessions in a week, which is important, especially if you do a UTA. Like, you need to do your stair training, you need to do your speed like your intervals, you need to do your heels. And then on the weekend, that long run, everything else in, to me, in between to me is filler. Mm. And so then I would then suggest, okay, you can jump on a bike. And that's also a really, really good way to cross train and then still get the same amount of hours on your legs or time on your legs, but you reduce the impact on your body. Mm. So um, what I didn't say about that first Oxfam that I did with Wild Women on Top in 2010, I actually finished that that 100 k's and knew i had to go straight to the hospital because i had two broken feet because i had stress fractures on my feet at the time <laughs> yeah seriously it was um yeah and i was on crutches on and off crutches for um six months so i did it in in um august i broke my feet and then on crutches for a good solid three months and then another three months of on and off so i really i then raced um six foot track i think i did four hours 39 or something along that line for it thereabouts I can't remember but I only had two long runs beforehand so whenever I hear people say to me look I'm injured I'm not going to get enough training on my legs before this race like seriously you only need one one long run before race and then that's good just to make sure you've got nutrition and everything right as long as you're doing the time like in the gym. So I went from like cross trainer to stair machine to row machine to bike. And I, to be honest with you, the cross trainer I couldn't even do because my feet were so smashed. I couldn't even go through that whole range of motion through my feet. So I was a bike and then there was a good stair machine at, at the Inthorpe Aquatic Centre. It's no longer there. I died when it left. <laughs> they retained it this. 
<laughs> they rotated their equipment and then off it went. So the lease was gone two hours, two years later and there was no longer to be there. But my feet were so bad. I couldn't even, <clears throat> it took me a few years to be able to walk on a beach without pain in my feet. It took me, I couldn't walk in shallow water. I could only do deep water running and then on a bike. So oh, yeah, they were pretty bad. Yeah. So then there I was a running coach and here, here I am with broken feet. I had to teach myself how to run again and, and then therefore teach my clients how to run and make sure they weren't in the same position as me. So I broke my feet. Um, yeah, look, before I, I ran Oxfam with Wild Women on Top, I knew I had an issue. So three weeks beforehand I ran the City to Surf and I was going for, of course, a sub one hour and I got it, but um, 56 seven or 50 I can't remember let's say 59 but the last yeah three kilometers I knew I was running on broken feet like down and there was blood on the outside of my shoes it really God. <laughs> I smashed my you feet I was like running yourself to the you're yeah really during that yeah my, yeah my crazy pain threshold sometimes can get you in trouble so mm-hmm. I'll learn what pain you can run through and what pain you can't run through very quickly yeah there you go on that like wow on that like let's talk about some of those you know obviously the journey continued (laughs) after that time and your feet did get better and you did do a lot of big events and um as you were saying on the ultra trail world tour and you maybe weren't choosing the ones that were to align to the best of you know to get the best performance out of yourself but what did you learn i guess um in that time when you weren't able to train as hard, obviously you said it was strength training and, and cross training was a huge thing. And I find even myself, and you, as you mentioned, you really only need a few or if not one big run. Mm. I actually did UTA 50 a few years ago. Now I had a stress reaction in my leg and I, I, was, I was devastated because I trained so hard. And then I had like five or six weeks before the race where I couldn't run. And I got in the yeah. pool, I got on the bike, I did strength and I didn't hardly do any running and I had the best race ever. Yeah, absolutely. So, I agree yeah. with you there, but what do you think um, in terms of what you learned during that time, um, what things did you, did you think helped you in your performance? And also you were able to push your body, I guess, during those performances to extremes. Do you think that is what actually helped you, I guess, compete at that level on the world stage? Yeah, look, um, when, when I talk about I wasn't doing the right you know, if there was a year when it was um, 2013 and um, I was, one, I was over racing. So 2012, I basically picked up as a, you know, a sponsored athlete. So Innovate and Hammer and so on. So I was jumping on planes a lot. I think I raced five times 100 events in a year plus marathons in between and um, I was just doing too much. And then on top of that, I was probably doing, and I know I was, I was jumping onto the, um, Sydney trail running series mm-hmm. so then I was like smashing out the 10ks and, and I'm pretty sure I was still the I was I was the 10k um fastest lap and the 10k champion for that series as well as then also doing the longer stuff mm-hmm. so I just wasn't giving myself enough time for recovery so you know a lot of a lot of coaches will say to you you know what's your what's your a race and what's your b race and, and, and so on and what's your c race so you so I then was able to learn okay, which race are you going to smash yourself at and that you care about and which races, you know, is it, do you look at it as just like a, a beautiful supported training run? And so I do encourage lots of people to 
into races. But I guess I, I learned to t- keep something in the tank to fight another day was what I kind of always had to say to myself. And yeah. so I guess from 2013, when I had five DNFs, like that's a lot of DNFs, but then a lot of results. So that, that's, you're doing too many. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, there was one where Tarawera Ultra, I think I was in third place, but at 75Ks I, I was pissing blood. And hemimatura is, I think that's what it's called. It's just basically, so that was like a total nutrition thing. I had too much sugar in the first 30Ks. I had, I, you know, I've got gut issues at the best of times, being celiac and, you know, I'm asthmatic and all these other, you know, autoimmune things going on. But I just had too much sugar. And I think it just made its way through to my bladder. And so therefore it was like cutting and then I was, yeah, boom, pissing blood. So it just meant that, you know, I, I DNF that race and there was um, um, Ultra Trail Mont Blanc. I DNF that race as well. It was one of those things where um, I'd raced three weeks beforehand and, and you know, I, I did like a really good 10K, but, you know, what's your A race? And, and it wasn't that one. So I over-raced leading into that one. That's the other thing is that when you're doing a 100-mile event, you have to, you have to leave something. Like you could have the best training program, get through it all. But unless you leave something in the tank for the race day, you know, if you've overtrained or over raced before and you've got nothing for race day, then you're not going to, you're not even going to want to race. So I had a lot of that going on in 2013. The other thing I learned in 2013 was sometimes to be really, really good, you have to learn how to not be the best. It sounds so counterintuitive, but a lot of your pride can get in the way. So it means that you've gone out too hard, too fast early. And, you know, I am a natural sprinter. I've come from that background. And you start racing an event rather than just trying to survive an event. Mm. And so I, I really did learn that in 2013 that I had to be, be okay with not being on a podium or on, on a world stage. And that, that's huge for somebody who is, you know, you, you're used to winning. Mm. I also went to... Um, 2013 I also jumped on the like I did a few long course tries and again so I'm not going to be the best swimmer ever but so then it taught me how to come from the back Mm -hmm. so I I get out last or second last out of the swim and then I'm jumping on the bike and you know I'm 50 percent but then on the run I'm racing chasing everyone down so I did a few of those to also mentally help my help me to be okay with not being the best so then when I was on that world stage racing to get people who you know as an Australian who has exercise induced asthma I have no I, I have no business being ranked as high as I was in the world if you just look at those setbacks straight up you know I'm a mum as well you know you, you're balancing all your time so I just had to use you know my agility and my talent to get me through mm-hmm. my downhill speed because you know at altitude my lungs aren't too happy at all that was the other thing I also had to be okay with DNF in if I if I did have an asthma attack so, um, so that was 2013 and 2014 was when I was ranked eighth in the world. I had to be, I guess, okay with not being top five. Mm-hmm. So to be ranked on the eighth in the world, I ended up being, I got a sixth, my seventh, a seventh. I think it was my worst UTA. It was like a ninth instead of, you know, I did, I've got three thirds and then I got a 10th at the UTMB and the UTMB when I came 10th, um, I ran, I think at about four, I think at halfway I was 15, 15th place and then I ran down four people 
in 120 k's thereabouts. So I have one person to go and she was English and I'm Australian and we all used to driving long distances and every now and then we have to, we sometimes might micro sleep. So I don't recommend it, but we're used to having to stay awake. So I slapped my face to, and then that was when I ran ahead of her was I was prepared to run along a mountain, slapping my face to try and stay awake. And she sat down. There you go. Wow. So that was my 10th. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. So yeah. in 2014 and 2013, <clears throat> there was a lot of lessons that you learned during that time about yourself as an athlete. And I really like that you said that about learning that you don't, you didn't always have to be on the podium. Yeah. That's actually, important. Yeah. Like what you said, like it would actually be really hard for someone mm. who's a high achiever and he is a good athlete to be okay with that. Was that the sort of start of a bit of a different trajectory for you with running? Yeah, absolutely. I ha- it's, you know, if, if we all, it's so funny running and especially ultra running, you know, your, your self-talk is so important, especially when you are um, climbing and you're low on glucose. I don't know. I'm, I'm probably just like everybody other, every other mum out there who would have this self-talk going through their head, ready? I'm too fat. <laughs> I'm my mother, I haven't done enough training, I've done this, I'm not good enough, everyone ahead of me is younger, they don't have kids, you know, all that stuff. It, it, it goes through your head. And, and so then to have that self-talk instantly turned off and stopped and then only have the, the, the self-talk in that head that comes through and says, you know, what do you need to do next? How, how much food did you eat in? When are, you, when are you taking electrolytes? Okay, your your glutes hurting a little bit. So what does that mean that you have to do with your running technique? Okay, what's happening at the next checkpoint? What are you going to eat at the next checkpoint? What's going to happen at the next, you know, and so on and so on. So, it, and then like if you are climbing and, you know, it's a huge climb, I, I count and I count out a rhythm. And so if I can't run the whole way, I'm like going, okay, 20 on, 20 off. So 20 running steps, 20 walking steps. And so I just change it up. Mm-hmm. Like, I guess like when you are racing, you know, it, the, I swear almost every deadly sin comes out <laughs> in yeah. ultra. Envy, greed, you know, there's prize money involved, you know, the pride is definitely a huge one. Obviously sex is taken out of it unless but everything else yeah. is in there. And, and you know, it is really a humbling experience. And, and solidarity is in there too. You know, we are all out, in, out there together and it's not, it can be a really dangerous sport. And so to give love and affection to those people around you have a good chat around you is such a better way to race than you know trying to race somebody so i guess in in that off the whole the whole you know that all in a nutshell and being content within yourself i think is huge to doing well in ultra running and, and most people do find that through ultra running after you know a few years of it so did you after that time sort of not quit um, competitive running, but, you know, did you change a little bit of your... Oh, see, most people don't know that. What happened was after I um, raced and was that high in my ranking, I then had to go through a divorce. Um, So I just don't put it out there that much. So um, which then meant that I am a single mum and, you know, there was a few issues that went on in amongst all that and, you know, us mums do everything to protect our kids. And so I am... I could only be there for my children. And so that had to 
be um, my priority at that time. So I could only race. Um, there was, you know, I got over to Tarawera, I, you know, I got down to UTA. I got around to those really, really close places. I ran Run Lara Pinter in 2015 as well, but it was literally a year of uh, any, anyone who's gone through a divorce um, of just, you know, that to me, when I looked at that divorce, it was like looking at an ultra. It, it wasn't, you know, <laughs> that you were, it wasn't going to be over in a nutshell. And especially Especially, you know, I'd only just relocated from Sydney up to Brisbane. And when I left my husband, my ex-husband, I left with $100 to my name. Mm. I really did. And, I, and you know, it, it, was, it was something where I then had to find $14,000 in legal fees, you know, to get through it all so then I could sell my house. So a lot of those mums who are out there and who have had to leave for, for whatever reason would really understand um, that, you know, sometimes you had to put all your energy into your business which I am doing and all your energy into kids and making sure that they're all okay. And then whatever came second after that, my, my race scene was in definitely a, a second. Um, but it was an interesting one. Even within that, like I still raced um, a fair bit up in Queensland, like black or 100. I still pulled that one off three times. So I've won that one three times in between. And I've won like loads of races up here, but I just couldn't um, be away from my kids too long. So that's, that, that was, yeah, the, the real cost of, of why I, I had to pull back. Mm. Yeah. I like that you shared that because it just shows, you know, it's, it's real and that's who you are yeah. and that's what you were dealing with. And, you know, um, there's a lot of women that would be dealing with a similar thing. And I guess as, as a single mom, you're going through self-preservation during that time and you're trying to protect you, yourself and protect your children and provide for them and give them the best possible chance. So, and yourself the best possible chance. So well done. Yeah, it was um, probably, it sounds crazy, but to get my girls through those few tough years, it was probably one of my biggest achievements, you know, to always have like an amazing meal on there, you know, a plate in front of them with great food that they had no idea, you know, the stress or the whatever was going on behind them. And um, to then like, when I look back on now, I was like, how, oh my God, how far I've come. It's just insane. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, it's, you know, you can't just, you know, there's, you can't play a victim through it because when you're playing a victim through it, you have no power. Whenever you're a victim, you have no power at all. Someone else has a power from you they've got the power not you mm-hmm. so once you took back the power and you just got on with it and did what you need to do then yeah it was so much easier so much more fulfilling and you're no longer you know part of I guess that awful you know icky cycle that that was the reason why you left yes you have to deal with it every now and then because they are still the father of your children but you know once you take back the power and you put yourself on the right side of it, then boom, off you go. So hopefully um, those women out there who may be in a bigger icky situation understands, you know, a little bit of that too. Yeah, and I'm sure there'll be lots of them listening. I really, I mean, hello. <laughs> there is There's always lots of them listening to those yeah stories in and, RMA, they share about them you know yeah look and life like when I left my ex-husband I, I think I'm seven years out now and so much has changed in that, that seven years so you know with women and able to get out of those awful situations so um look if I could do it with a hundred bucks to my name you can do it too if, if needed yeah well thanks for sharing that part of your story Shona Let's now talk about the next phase of your journey. So you've sort of changed <clears throat> perspective on running now and you're 
more of involved, we're still involved with trail running, um, but more uh, on the sides of running events. Um, you're a race director and you have a passion for women in this sport. And this is the main reason I wanted to talk to you today on the podcast was because I think that is a really, really important step for women in Australian trail running to take. And you were one of those women that obviously heard the call to do that and it probably wasn't an easy step for you to make. And so do you want to just share with us a little bit about the journey and how that evolved um, over the last few years and what you're actually doing now? Yeah, so um, I'm the race director, one of them, um, for I have beautiful Cora Lau, who's also, um, so two women as race directors um, for Brisbane Trail Ultra and Cairns Trail Ultra. So um, I guess I, it was, oh gosh, I think I was developing that course for a long time. Like Australia was screaming for like a really, really premier 100-mile event. You know, I'd race, I, I was lucky enough to race all over the world. So I want to bring that experience, you know, of Chamonix, you know, UTA and so on up to Queensland. And so I guess I had to find a beautiful course and that's, you know, without a beautiful course and you don't have a beautiful event and it has to be a good course. So I went out and... And basically used all my training runs, which I used to effectively count top row lines. So anybody who's a map freak like I am, you, you count your top row lines and you go, okay, I'm going to go down there and, and so on. So, I, you know, um, it is a really, really tough course, um, Brisbane Trail Ultra, um, as in we have 8,000 metres of elevation gain and loss. And so I guess like, you know, that's when I put like my coaching hat on. It's like if people are going to come to my course and do Brisbane Trail Ultra, I know that then if they're going to race anywhere else in the world, they're going to be prepared. And so I guess that's like me as an athlete trying to help, I don't know, foster, I guess, talent in Australia. Come here, do a 100-mile, 110K course. You can race in Europe. No worries. You're sorted. It's just like UTA. If you can survive UTA, you can go over there. So I wanted like another premier event for, for Aussies to do to um to to be able to race and especially a hundred mile event so i found that like a really really good hundred mile event was probably lacking you, you know australia definitely in queensland so for, for that amount of ele- elevation gain and loss um when we talk about cans that's about you know connecting cans to port douglas i don't know how many people have driven that road it's it's stunning um when you get up into Karanda or Karanda. It's like an amazing rainforest. There are literally cassowaries there. Like I climbed up a mountain. I was only there for like maybe 45 minutes. And here I see a male cassowary and a chick coming towards me wow. because I've learned to run light on my feet. Um, yeah, here I come, boom. And I was like, wow. And people are saying like they don't see that for five years. And then day two I go out and I come up on, on another cassowary. It was just, it blew my mind. So um, there, there's an amazing um, wet tropics. It's World Heritage listed wet, wet tropics region behind Cairns. And so I'm connecting Cairns to Port Douglas via the, that wet tropics. So it's a really, really stunning course. So when it then comes back to, um, I guess, encouraging women to get into um, trail running, ultra running, and like really backing themselves. Like, I guess I had the, um, like, originally I'm from Sydney. So my, I'm lucky enough to have like, not like a crazy running family, but almost a running family. Like my uncle was uh, like a a pretty good athlete as well. My cousin-in-law, for want of a better word, my cousin's um, husband, he rang me up. No, I guess like he was also a triathlon, triathlete. He basically said to me, Shona, if you want a chance at six foot, 
track at all to be up the front, you have to email the race director because if you're a good downhill runner, you're going to have to say to him, I need to be up the front for this reason. <laughs> like I was very, very ballsy. If I thought I should be up the front, like UTA, I'd say, I need to be up the front for this reason. And then I would say, these are my times and this is why you should, you should get me up there. <laughs> so I guess because I had my you know a family member say to me Shona you're not going to be up the front unless you say you need to be up the front so that was from maybe 2009 so I had someone saying get up there and don't be afraid to ask so you know chicks out there please don't be afraid to ask do you say I should be in the front wave I should be doing this I should be doing that if if I as a race director if I have somebody taking the time out to email me and say I want to be in the front wave I'll go sure you go for it I'm going to give them a chance and most race directors will be like that if their times warrant it obviously if their times don't warrant it you know no but most people don't have that much of an ego let's face it <laughs> everybody's usually quite humble so I guess I've always had the ability to go okay I, I think I need to be up the front for this reason so there's that 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 confidence yeah. about me and so a lot of women I know don't have the balls for want of a better word to to say hey I need to be up there that's like a real bloke thing to do like it is a bloke's thing to do to say hey I'm going to put my hand up and be up there so that's why I put that that um that post on Facebook because I know that women don't actively go I need to be up here yeah. and so that's why I wanted it to be out there Look, I'm really, really so happy that, you know, what is it, 50, 51% of the population of females, I think, in Australia, 49 males. At the moment, I think we're 51 or 52% of women to male, like women 52, one, 52, um, and then males like 49, so on. So it's, 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 it's good. It, it means that, I don't know, it's because I am a female, more females as a race director are wanting to go, hey, you know, I want to, jump on that race because Shona supports women. I don't, I don't know. Or Shona will back me or, or Shona can do it. I can do it too. I don't know. It's like a culture, right? Like that is created. I, I don't know. But we're, what we're seeing is that more women are wanting to enter, which is great because yeah, like, let's face it. If you want to grow any business and this is like what I would, would say, you, you look after the women because it's yeah. 52% of the population. It's a no-brainer. I've been saying yeah. this for years. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. a no-brainer. So, yeah. Um, yeah. so in, in, you know, it is, I think it is tough for a female in sport. Mm. Like I remember, you know, you, you rock up to Ultra Trail Mount Fuji. They're giving out podium prizes, top 10 males, but only top five women. I don't know if it's changed now, but that's what it was. Um, I remember I had to write a letter to Pomona, King of the Mountain, because I, I came third place overall, but I won my Open, which meant that, and usually the opened female would win. Do you get what I mean? But there was an amazing 42-year-old athlete and then I was still in my 30s and she won. And so what happened was they gave out first, second, third to the male but not but only age category prizes to the women. So I got, so I came third but I got caught up in front of her <laughs> as, a, as a winner of an open category winner. And so then I wrote a letter and said, hey, you can't do this anymore. Like you have to give out equal, equal pay to women and male in sport and but it was a very very awkward moment but it, his attention wasn't drawn to it before but I think and that was how many years ago that was maybe five years ago now lucky imagine doing that now he wouldn't <laughs> be 
all up in arms. But it is yeah. something that if you see it, you have to call it out or just write a beautiful letter to somebody and go, hey, you know what? It was really awkward and didn't feel right. And that's how I put it. Maybe I suggest that you just do this. And then he, he wrote back to his credit and said, that's a fantastic idea. It's never been an issue before, but now I can see it being an issue. So thank you for drawing um, our attention to that. So that's 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 awesome. That's all you asked from a race director. But the, you know, there's other great um, another great um, race director who who I know of. It's Mel from Mountain Sports. Yeah. So I don't know they call that. She always supported me too through it all she was also great so that's sky running i'm pretty i'm pretty sure that those guys it was the old glowworm tunnel marathon um race director so they were also great in supporting equal male and female athletes and it is again because she was um female and there was of course tom and alina from uta and they were also great with supporting male and female athletes and giving equal time to male and female athletes when it came to like a panel or or, or, or so on so it was it was it was great and you know i was lucky that I was in Sydney and and they saw it that way and so it was somewhat a little bit different when I came up to Queensland but they've they've caught up now so that's all that matters well and they've got you up there too now so that helps (laughs) in terms of women getting into trail running what do you think is the major barrier for everyday women to get into trail running I do a lot about oh I couldn't go on the trail like you know you see it in RMA you'd see it too like people going oh I I think trail running is too hard for me or it's too technical or it's this or it's that or what no no barrier do you find well um I think people when they um when they enter a trail running a trail running event is that they actually have to run the whole way But you actually don't. It's actually beautiful. It's like it's not like when you run a road marathon or a road half marathon or a 10K. Your time really doesn't matter at all. It's just about doing it. I think there's less pressure on time than than in road marathon running. And quite often, all good runners or some even some of the best runners in the world, they get to a bottom of the hill and they just start walking up it or they might only walk 10 or 20 um, steps up it. You don't have to run the whole way. It's so for me, it's actually a lot more um, like achievable and approachable than like a marathon where you are expected to run a whole road marathon the whole way or run a walk so to me it's even more achievable and um yeah um accepting of women in sport and, and people people who are just beginning in sport too so like our, i know like for our event we say that we've got qualifications but that's really only to make sure again i'm from, I'm from sydney and we all know that whenever there's city to surf is on someone always has an art heart attack on in that event and so i put qualifications there is just to go hey guys go out and do a training run beforehand please don't turn up to my event without doing this training run and so the training run is only 5k's an hour is what you have to be able to do to meet the cutoff and so most people can walk 5k's an hour so and most race directors or trail running events will have quite a long um cutoff time to allow for people to be able to walk if needed through some really tough sections so have a look at the cutoff times don't be afraid because it says a trail run they're not expecting most um um, race directors aren't expecting you to run the whole way at all it just sounds i guess more sexy than a trail walk (laughs) 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 or a trail hike because the front runners are running it yeah (laughs) right like and this is it like i remember i I coached just shitler and then she ended up being uh 
or a long course champion. And I remember when I first started training her, she definitely couldn't run up the hills and, um, and I could. And she goes, what's, China, what's the difference between like me right now and an elite athlete? And there's this one hill where it was 1K up and then about 200 metres in elevation gain. I think it ended up being like 10% or so. So it must be 2Ks and then 200 metres up. And I said, well, an elite athlete would be able to run up and down this five times. But that's the only difference potentially between you right now who are starting who can only walk up this and then somebody who is, you know, ranking all the time in the top three. That's the only difference between us. And so then I was able to just to watch her chip away, chip away. And then she ended up being a national champion. So yeah. you can do it as long as you put, um, yeah, the training in and the dedication in. Yeah. And I think that's something that people need to be aware of. Like when I started trail running, gosh, years, six years ago, maybe, um, I was terrified at first. I remember my first trail race, um, like big race being Coastal Classic. And back then it didn't have all the boardwalks it has now. It was like a mud pit had been pouring rain. They almost canceled it. Like I was slipping and sliding everywhere. I remember I, I, I was being coached um, at the time, but I remember being feeling all those things you were saying before that go through your head. Like I'm hopeless at this. I'm not good. I wasn't strong. I was walking so much. Like I finished in a terrible time, but when I look back at it, I think it was one of the most pivotal moments in my running career because then I was able to draw on that experience and think of the positive things about that day. Um, Mm. But I was out in beautiful nature, like how, where else can you go where you get to look at the coast for like 30 kilometers and it's just so stunning and beautiful and the landscape and the people and everyone was so friendly. And that's the other thing about trail running. Everyone's so friendly and they're supporting you. And then as yeah. I chipped and chipped away and, you know, you know, I had coaches that I didn't and then I did different races and I got more experience Then I learned more about nutrition, learned more about hydration, learned more about training, strength, all those things. Now I can't imagine myself not being a trail runner. I find mm. if I go on a road run, I find I, I just don't find the same fulfillment. I still love road running, you know, every now and then, but I'm a true trail runner at heart. I live on the trails. I bought my house because it was right next to a trail. Like I literally find joy every time I get out there. And I think if you're just starting out, you've just got to see those positives that it doesn't, it doesn't matter how long you're out there. It doesn't matter how long it takes. It's just getting out there and enjoying the journey, finding some things that can challenge you and maybe you can do races that will challenge you. You can just go to places that will challenge you. But I think that it's just a beautiful way to enjoy mm. running. Oh, absolutely. And like, I know that when, like say, I used to train a lot with my heart rate monitor on. And it was actually interesting to see, you know, um, when your heart rate went up for whatever reason, and then with what that was in relationship to, was that in relationship to what you were thinking at the time? Or if it went down, when, why did that go down at that point in time? And I always knew that if I, I would actually write on my hand view, like taking the view because I knew that that was a good way to get my heart rate down. It's to stop, stop the stress, chill out and just enjoy yourself. And that in itself makes your heart rate go down. You're less stressed. And it's really important. Um, 
I know a lot of people would say, try and run with a, a smile on your face and because <laughs> that also really helps and it takes the stress off, stops you from thinking about your time and your goal and, you know, this person or that person around you. It starts, and if you, I guess that's the other thing about it, trail running is that it can be quite a dangerous sport. I always look at it as like we're all in this together rather than, and quite often you will move through a trail with some, like a group of people. It might be for 50Ks or 100Ks or whatever. And no doubt those people, you'll probably be with them at the next event and then the next event. And you'll find that you have this amazing camaraderie build up or you'll definitely have this beautiful shared experience with whoever at the end of an event. And that then itself is so lovely. There's this gorgeous culture about it, which um, is, is a beautiful solidarity feeling with others. And I, I don't know, it, it's just like it, we, are, we are so lucky to be in Australia, to have so many gorgeous trails so close to where we live. And, 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 and again, I've bought a house just down the road, like right on the trails. And, <laughs> and up at Mount Nebo was the same deal. It was up on the trails. And, and we then can choose where to live and, um, and, and to enjoy it more. Um, I, I don't find there's a better place to like meditate as you're running as, as on the trails. Mm, I love it. And from when you started back in, you know, in the day doing trail running to now, you've obviously would have seen the shift in women, just everyday women competing in our sport. What do you think has made the difference there? What has, has, how has that changed? And what do you think has helped that um, push that along? And how can we continue that trajectory of women in our sport? Do you think? It's um, it's so interesting because, we, like in Australia, we have like almost two parts of our culture where like there's women who have had to just get on with it and, and do what we need to do because that's what we do as Australians. And there's the other part which kind of wants to like hold women back in, in other forms. So that's an interesting kind of like pardon itself. But most women from Australia, when you take them into sport, really do well. We kick ass. It's because I think we are quite strong. Our environment is like that. We've been outside from get-go. Like our culture is to be outside, swim, ride, bike, you know, run. Every, like we get into sport. Like sport is encouraged from a very, very young age with women. So it is there within ourselves. Like I remember... Um, I raced ultra trail Mount Fuji and in the first year I'm literally going, where are the women? Like, why am I here? Where are the women? And so I remember the last time I raced ultra trail Mount Fuji, it was like three years later. It was like, oh, here are the chicks. So finally it had caught up there. I felt that women have always been really strong from Australia in all sports that we've done. And there was no reason why we can't be up there on the world stage with others. So like we've had Kelly, we've had Beth Cardelli, we've had Jill Fowler, Julie Quinn we've had this beautiful like start for us you know and like I was there in 2012 when Lucy Bartholomew who was a 15 year old I remember there was this big yuha um about this 15 year old like running this event and whether or not she should run this event or not and is this bad for her body I was like hold up people if your kid wants to run 100 k's which is like on sand and dirt and yes, she will be running with her dad. So it was totally safe. And he's a great supporter mentor for her. 
But like, how different is that from like a rep netballer pounding it up and down on netball court? Like, that's trail running is way better for your body. So like, <laughs> like I, I, and you know, I remember Chris Ord at the time, who's trail run mag, and um, Sam Moffat. They asked me, "Hey, can you write something about this show? And what are you reckon about this?" So I wrote on Trail Run Australia, "Hey, I totally support, and I don't see why not. We should be encouraging more kids to get out into the bush because it is a form of therapy." And I'm pretty sure, like Lucy, did use it as a form of therapy for her it's a beautiful thing and at the same time they had a school group of girls out there also Mm. on the course I think they had about 10 girls do it as well so it's it's like the it was happening it was coming through and and we have this great base for women to to get up and 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 to really participate on the world stage so I like the future is so bright um it's it's just tough in this COVID year isn't it (laughs) that the the last year we're only now we've all missed out on a year of racing so um yeah i was meant to race in hong kong new caledonia kokoda in png so then it was like oh it stopped and and then i went okay i'm race directing but um it's i I think it's there i I think um it's now we're just pushing it more and maybe just like women our voice is getting stronger and we're understanding that our voice is strong and i think that's why you know it, it is um we are being pushed forward. But, like, Lucy Bartholomew is, like, a great athlete. Um, um, same with Kelly Emerson. And she's a, now a, a mum. So it, it will be really interesting to watch how Kelly comes through the ranks as well. So she's racing our Brisbane Trail Ultra. And she's also doing cans as well. So I'll be supporting her for both of those events. It's tough. For you, your mum, you're coming back. She won it in 2019, the 110, with a, or a 110K champ. So we still are, if you are a top 100K runner and you want to have a go at those champs, and you ha- if you have had some podiums, please let me know as a female. I will be looking after you because there is room. We need some more elite athletes, male and female, to be racing those champs. So if you want to do it in July, look, I- I- I'm here for you. As I, you know, we-, we will definitely support you in any way that we can. So I think Kelly was undecided what she wanted to run. Is she just going to do the 30K? So this year our 30K is the Spartan Trail World Championship race and then our 100 mile is also a Spartan um, Trail World Championship event. So that means that we've got 2,500 bucks up for grabs from first place to fifth place for male and female in a 30 and $3,500 up for grabs for the um, first to fifth place in the um, 100, 100 mile event. The 110K, we have a thousand bucks up to up for grabs for the male and female. So we've got some good prize money. So we're hoping that that also helps support the industry as well, because I know how tough it is that um, to be an elite athlete, to put yourself on planes, to potentially have to do accommodation or whatever, and not knowing whether or not you're going to get anything back, get a result. So we, I've, I've really tried to, to, I guess, support elite athletes as much as we can in the way of prize money. And that was the other reason why we want to go and jump on the ultra, um, no, sorry, Spartan Trail World Championship because of the prize money. Like we've got um, $12,000 US dollars up for grabs. It's not Australian dollars, it's US dollars up for grabs. Yeah. So um, like to some athletes that can be 
the difference between, I know we're not flying this year, but we might be flying next year. You could have those flights for the next year's paid for. So, yeah, it, it makes a difference, especially if you are a mom. It, it, it can be extremely tough to, you know, fund your way around the world. And I think a lot of people don't actually understand that a lot of those elite athletes, we might all look like we're being funded all over the world, but really we all have to have a job. And then quite often, you know, your sponsors might fund a little bit, um, the World Tour or the Spartan Trail World Championship might fund another part of it, like people like me, you know, giving flights and accommodation or, or race entries. But if you're not, if you're an emerging athlete, it can be quite tough to to then, you know, get your get your way around the world. So I'm hoping that um, our event will help um, some of those athletes, you know, be able to take that next step. Well, there's a lot of promising female athletes in Australia, so hopefully. They are listening to this podcast as well. And like, yeah, I think they should sign up, have a go. So that's Brisbane Trail Ultra that you're referring to. Is that also Cairns? Is Cairns one of the ones? Yeah, and Cairns is in in, um, August. So we have one in July, so the midweek of July, and then we've got one in August, so the 21st and 22nd of August. So if you're up in Queensland and you're watching your mates do the Gold Coast Marathon, hang out a week and then Alice's Brisbane Trail Ultra is a week after. Oh, good. It's not on the same... Because the year that I came up to... Um, <clears throat> yeah, Brisbane, it was on the same weekend. Same weekend. Yeah. I was devastated. Yeah. I couldn't hang around and be part of it all, but... Yeah, yeah, it's a weekend later. So maybe you can convince your families to have a weekend or a whole week in Queensland. Yeah. Not bad in July. Not bad in July. Great. Oh, well, that's exciting. And I'll put all of those things in the show notes anyway, so that we can make sure people know all about them to sign up. You're still a coach as well, I take it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. What, what kind of, um, have you got any stories about any women that have entered trail running from, you know, the start of their journey to now? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's hard to say. Like, I guess I've trained so many people over, like, I guess the most, um, uh ever I, I guess you guys know coast trek down in sydney so I've, yeah yeah so i remember the most um i guess the re- most rewarding experience um from like being a coach was i grew um coached two teams of four all women um to run from five kilometers through to 50 k's in eight months so that was to have like eight women to be able to do that and they're all mums so it was i took my mums and bubs classes so it was mums and bubs yeah it was really cool to get them all to um have that confidence in themselves to go from 5k's to 50k's in in that time so that was probably the most rewarding experience karen um karen barrett i'm sure you guys all may have heard of her she's tail runner so i've been coaching her for ages and she's a bit of a legend and she does those crazy like 130 miles or multi-day stage events and, <laughs> and so she's coming up to the Brisbane Trail Ultra as well um I think one of her best achievements was um sky running Grand Slam so she did the fastest accumulative time across the three events and of course she's done the 135 down under I think she's mm-hmm. won the females for that two years in a row she's also done the great north walk fastest known time or one of the fastest known times in in the whole yeah she's up in um she's up in newcastle so that's kind of like her backyard she also does a lot of like amazing like just um clean up with the bush so she'll go out and actively like find like loads and loads of rubbish and and clean up clean it up so i've spent i've been up at agnes waters and every day i've gone out and out on the beach i've taken off like a bag full of rubbish or plastic with me Mm. stuff like that i guess that matters long run too 
I'm trying yeah. to think what it is. So I guess I've said Jess Schuttler as well as one of those awesome, amazing runners. Um, it, it's, it's crazy to think of just one when I've got a few who, yeah. who are, yeah. What about your running? Are you doing anything this year? Any runs? No, I think, um, I think my, like my asthma has caught up with me. I think if I enter another race, my, my partner will like... <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny like a lot of people don't understand that when you have exercise induced asthma yes you're going to have an asthma attack out there or, or get sick out there but i'm actually usually quite sick for three weeks afterwards too and like i finished the utmb with pneumonia um i, I finished uta like i don't know how many times with pneumonia I, like I, I get quite sick and so it's just one of those things where i've just had to pull back a little bit and and just be content with all the everything yeah. that i've done well you're doing I, a lot of other stuff as well <laughs> like you know well, and and this is it like i had my us ultra runners, we'd understand it when you'd also say, yes, my lungs might be affected, but it almost feels like your brain cells mm. have also, also get affected from ultra running. Like you feel like you've killed off, I don't know how many, just because it's so strenuous on your body. And so it, I guess that's the other thing about, you know, me dedicating my life to, to my children and, and to building businesses and, you know, and to pulling back on my racing is that I need all my brain cells for my businesses rather than, you know, pushing my body to those limits and then not having enough in the tank to be able to run businesses and so on and, and to be able to commit to that. So and having that extra brain power too uh, is what I now put into like my, into my races and then also into my coaching. So, um, yeah, it's um, definitely a, yeah, I've pulled back in one way from racing Racing, but I definitely have found fulfillment in others so it's not a not an issue at all well and it's good that you're still involved even if it's not in the racing you're still involved in in the sport during you know in doing your race directing and, and running yeah and that's yeah, look, another different exciting phase of life to be involved in it can take you for a long long time to come yeah look um it's an, I still have to pump out be fit enough to pump out 40k training camps and <laughs> So, and I still am on my legs for, you know, three, four hours in the morning every day and then also in the evening. So it's not like I've stopped running. I'm still running. I'm still on the trails. I'm still doing my thing. Yeah. I just wanted to ask you one question about um, your events, like when you started your race directing and, and you, you made the Brisbane Trail Ultra and the Cairns Trail Ultra. Did you have mm. any challenges in getting those to come to fruition yes yeah. huge um <clears throat> so COVID happened last year so we had to postpone the event from july through to october so that's hurdle number one uh to, to be honest with you even if we had it in july we wouldn't have even had the numbers to be able to put that race on safely we basically told everybody that please don't enter because you know it wouldn't be ethical to enter anyway so, um, and then when it came through to um, actually putting on the event, we had to have a COVID safe plan. Um, our, even then, our finish line was changed, I think, twice for us. So we couldn't have certain finish lines due to um, the works where the council, due to the um, government stimulus, um, all of a sudden all the works were going to happen. So we couldn't use our finish line for one event. And so we um, finished line from the year before. So then we had to change the finish line within the last four weeks of the event. Wow. I, I guess like the beautiful part of that was, you know, 
because of COVID as well, it meant that all the weddings were cancelled. So then we could use a beautiful wedding venue for a finish line, which was awesome. So then we could have it at River Life. And that was actually one of my, um, my um, first choices for a, um, for a finish line. So um, I, I was super excited to get that for last year. This year, um, we couldn't rebook River Life because it's now used as a wedding venue. So then I got um, under the Story Bridge. But then because we're going to get in the Olympics um, in um, Brisbane, there's lots and lots of works being done in Brisbane at the moment. So we're unable to have lots of the locations that we, that we really do want for a finish line. So um, they took um, the Story Bridge off us only maybe four weeks ago. And then we're now finishing at the top of the Kangaroo Cliffs. And anybody who knows the Brisbane well, the, the Kangaroo Cliffs are quite iconic. They may not be quite like the Ferber Stairs in UTA, but um, I think when you do finish at, um, at the top of um, um, the Kangaroo Cliffs after 100 miles, 110 k's, I think you are going to be crying. So it's, um, it's going to be a really, really cool finish. And just where the Kangaroo Cliffs are in relationship to the city skyline behind, it's, um, we've set up. We know where the, the Red Bull Arch is going to be. We've set it up to have like an amazing um, finish line shot. So it's, I reckon it's just going to be worth it for that. So we're really excited about that finish line. So I guess that's like the huge challenges as, um, as a race director, just being totally adaptable and um, just being ready. Like I, I think COVID has taught us that, that no matter what happens, you just, there's always a solution to a problem and just to be adaptable and, and just to be prepared to work well with others. Otherwise you, you, you're just not going to be able to keep people happy. And so that like, even this race, um, a month ago, we were told again, due to COVID that, um, one race was going to be canceled, um, postponed and it ended up being the tour to Brisbane. So that, that race is 10,000 people in it. So we just had like a small lockdown in, in Brisbane over a weekend so they had to postpone their race and so we their race will be on the same weekend as us we will effectively like just miss them like so <laughs> so we've planned it that you know roads will be closed due to their race which means that there's going to be even less traffic on the road for hours we have police and police and traffic controllers anyway to bring people into the city safely when we come into the city we really are only like two kilometers on like footpath and then we're on like um the the river walk or the river run that everybody knows in brisbane so it's really really pretty it's like running around sydney harbour it's not well not quite but almost you know so it's a really really gorgeous yeah it's, it's really really gorgeous run into the city um I guess the other thing about Brisbane Trail Ultra is that we time it so the runners do come in at dusk or night time. And so the 30K is on at 3 p.m. So you get to come in and then see our city lights. So we, they put on a beautiful river light show every night in Brisbane. So we're hoping to have that experience. And definitely the 110K runners, 100-mile runners, you can see that when they finish, it's like this sensory experience yeah. like nothing else for a trail event. So that's like really, really cool about the Brisbane one. Um, Cairns is just interesting because we, I came up, ran the course and then got it all through, per, um, permits about to be approved and then they go, oh, hang on, no, that, that whole track is going to be closed. And so I'm like, oh, my God, fly back up to Cairns, run 40 kilometres, find 40 k's to race in, 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 Queen, in far north Queensland. So I had to go back up, do that. So I guess it's just like whatever 
whatever problem they give you, you just got to find a solution. And like in a way that Cairns trail race, I'm actually more proud of now. I'm really excited about, because I think it's even better than what it was before. So I guess you can always look at it as one way. Sometimes when you're forced to do something, you can make it even better. So that's why I look at it. So it's, it's quite cool. There's no crocodiles in Cairns, is there? There will be. <laughs> you can. You shouldn't go swimming. There is crocodile size. Do not Don't go through. enter you can, the water. You, <laughs> Keep no, running. You can. You just they, they built the lagoon there for a reason. But you, <laughs> you, you can. They do it. Running. There won't be crocodiles where you're running. Surely we run into Port Douglas, so not where we're running. Okay, like, that's what I was meaning. <laughs> No, no, we're up in the hinterland, so it's all fine. No, 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 no. It's more that um, maybe down at Port Douglas there, but no, it's it's all on beautiful marked tracks. We're not sending people into cray-cray land or anything like that. <laughs> but, like, you just have to be careful, I guess, when going into the water. But I'm pretty sure, like, Port Douglas is okay. But north of Port Douglas, you start to get a bit more worried. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people swim at Port Douglas, you're okay. But just be aware, I think is what I'm saying. Yeah, good to know. <laughs> oh, I'd love to get up there. It's so beautiful. I just, I've never been actually up there. Oh, never. oh, it's beautiful. And yeah. it's going to be in August, so it's a good time to to run there. And it's it's cold up on the hinterland. Like I um, I got up there, you know, just to do a recce day, not not of run up the mountain. And um, I was cold. I had to have my thermals and jackets and everything on. It was it was cold. So wow. it's probably about five degrees cooler up the top. So it, it is actually quite good running temperature. So I think when it gets to August, it'll be twenty five degrees on at sea level then up there will be a few degrees cooler so we're making people take mandatory gear like yeah like all in wet weather yeah Yeah. so you know race day if we deem that you know it's going to be a stinker then we say okay drop that take more water you know what i mean but we'll we'll make that decision but we're just saying hey everyone bring it yeah Hmm. good to know okay let's finish off now with the rma hot lab (laughs) we'll get through the time now um so I always ask the five questions at the end of our podcast um, just to get a little bit more insight into you and what you like. Um, so my first question was, what is your favourite location to run? Ah, oh, it's, it's terrible. Um, no, I'm torn between, <laughs> torn between three places. I've got Agnes Waters, I've got um, Brisbane Hinterland, I've got Cairns now. Oh, so I guess like my favourite spot, it would definitely, oh, hard because at mount nebo where i bought the house there's these amazing massive like trees i call them like the fairy trees they're over 300 plus years of age and they're huge like like we can probably fit about 20 people into the base of it up in the rainforest behind brisbane so i reckon mount nebo to mount yeah mount nebo diaglo national park am i allowed to say national park yeah (laughs) okay so mount nebo and Mount Glorious, the national park up there, it's, it's beautiful. It's really pretty, like massive, huge trees, like yeah. and like different types of massive trees too. It's it's yeah, world class. It's nice. Good, good to try and go there one day. I love. Like we were in a rainforest on the weekend, and it's just amazing just looking up and seeing mm. trees. Like they're incredible. <clears throat> how long they've yeah. been there? Like incredible. Yeah, it's um. 
and quite often some sometimes the best spots are literally not too far away from the road and you can just drive in so at mount glorious you'd be able to get your kids in there quite easy like the first 800 meters from the road is where all the magic is and that's the same with mount nebo it's about um again only like 500 meters from the road so it's very accessible for for mums and their kids yeah cool all right what is your best memory racing Oh, my best memory racing. Far out. That's a tough one. Like I've run down Mount Fuji at, at um, sunset, sunrise, you know, which is a volcano. That's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, so, oh, maybe that one. It's a tough one. Japan's been always good. And um, let's say Japan running down Mount Fuji at sunrise. There we go. <laughs> I have heard good things about Japan. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Who is your greatest inspiration? And it doesn't have to be runner. I was, I guess when I was kind of racing a fair bit, like just starting to race and not really knowing myself too well, would probably be Cadell Evans. And then he went on to, I think, become the world champion that year and uh, when I was reading his books. And then he, of course, he went on to win the Tour de France. So I reckon Cadell. I read his books. I read his books. It's a good one. Okay, good. If you could choose one, would you choose 50K? Or I wrote a hundred k, but I'm going to say or a hundred miles, and why? Um, hundred miles, of course, because you get to go further <laughs> and possibly see more, and it's more of a journey and experience, and it's about all those climbs and all those views, and I don't know, that's what feeds your soul is those moments. Yeah, love it. Yeah, with you there. Where would you like to see women in trail running be in the next ten years? Oh, um, it's a tough one, isn't it? Like we've got Courtney DeWalter, she's up there kicking butt. You know, it's it's so good. I kind of think it's happening now. To me, I feel like it's our time. It's always been our time if you want to take it. So I think it's like we are up there and I think we just keep building on that. Um, it would be great to see us chicks being up there toe-to-toe with males whether or not we do that because of our bodies I I don't know our lung capacity our natural you know less testosterone I don't know but I'm quite happy with where we are but maybe that's just me being my contentment but it would be great to see the gap being closed Mm. well thank you so much for joining us today Shona and thank you so much for being a great voice for women in our sport and thank you your journey over the next few years, running your races. Hopefully I get up to one of them, if not this year and next year. This year's huge for me with HSC and oh. All is good. You know the offer and the invitation is always there Thank for you, Nicole. You. So. I really, I really do want to get up and especially the cans one. I think that sounds oh. incredible. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean I think that's the the great thing at, you know, the one good thing that's come out of COVID is that we can't go anywhere else at the moment. So everybody is no. Everybody wants to experience Australia. So this is yeah. the best way to do it is find an amazing race and go and run. Yeah. 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 It is like we have world-class and up there, they are world-class trails. Like I was blown away. It was really cool. So um, I'm hoping that it, it just grows as well. So um, yeah, really excited about it. Well, thanks Jonah, for joining me. I'll let you go enjoy the rest of your beautiful day. And uh, Thank you. yeah, hopefully I get to see you this year. <laughs> If not next year. (laughs) Next year. Thanks, darling. Thanks for joining me. Thank you. 
What a fabulous episode with Shona. I hope you loved listening to the insights from her as an ex-elite athlete and also as a race director, troll and ultra runner and an amazing woman in our sport. I look forward to seeing what Shona does in the next 10 years in her career. If you were interested in trail running, there's so much information you can gain in our RMA network, read our website, jump on and chat to one of our coaches, or you can reach out to Shona directly yourself. I'll put all of her links in the show notes to where you can find her. Maybe you'd like to head over and register for one of her races at the Brisbane Trail Ultra. Or you could register for the Port Douglas to Cairns Trail Ultra, which sounds like a most beautiful place to be in the world. Thank you for listening to another episode of the podcast. I would really love if you would go over and rate, subscribe and give a review to the podcast so that many people can find us on the podcast apps as we continue our journey with the RMA podcast. I look forward to bringing you the next episode next time.